Hello all and welcome to another episode of Everyday Black History. Happy Friday to you all out there. I hope that you had a uh, wonderful Thanksgiving yesterday. Hopefully you um, had a good time with your family and with your loved ones and you got to eat some good food. Hopefully there weren't too many arguments or fights because you know how it is when, you know, sometimes we all get together and some of that old stuff come up and then you start bringing up old stuff. So hopefully... None of that went on um, for many of you who are, who are listening and you had a, um, a happy and healthy uh, holiday. And, you know, if you have if you're fortunate enough to have today off this Friday off, uh, hopefully you're out there finding some good sales for Black Friday and supporting Shop Black Week. Because remember, we were promoting Shop Black Week and um, getting people to spend their money at a black owned business. So hopefully you are out there supporting the movement or at least have supported the movement for the week, um, starting November 22nd and ending today on November 29th. Now, of course, we all can always support black business, um, every day of the year, but since we're trying to make shop black week, a movement, I hope, you know, everybody, um, listening and was able to support a black owned business over the last week to make this, this movement, uh, historic, but, um, Today, on this uh, Friday, uh, we will be uh, talking about a man. Our next few episodes, we want to focus um, on on business, you know, um, black Americans in business, because, you know, we have in every, uh, you know, form of business, in every field of business, you know, we've accomplished so much. And a lot of it, you know, may not be known, you know, the things that we're doing. Sometimes I read about, you know, black owned businesses that are doing big numbers and I'm, you know, you know, impressed, I'm hugely impressed, you know, by it. And, you know, it's just amazing to know that, you know, we are doing these kind of numbers in business. And so today we're going to be highlighting a man who, uh, is the, uh, um, he started, he's a, the first person, the first, you know, black person to, uh, found his own record label and in which he, uh, you know, distributed and marketed, um, directly to the, uh, African American audience. And uh, his name is Harry Pace. Uh, before VJ Records, before Motown Records, you know, Harry Pace started Black Swan Records. And um, not only was he uh, the first, you know, you know, Black American to have his own uh, record label, he was. He also started his own insurance company uh, later on, and it was an insurance executive as well. But um, we'll get into all that a little bit later. But as mentioned, our next few episodes, we're going to highlight. Um, you know, um, uh, black Americans in business and the many uh, businesses, both past and present, that we have started and that, you know, has been influential to, you know, entrepreneurs following, you know, them. When we talk about the people of the past who started businesses and how they might have influenced, you know, black entrepreneurs following them, as well as, you know, entrepreneurs in the present who are doing things who could be influencing uh, future generations of uh, black businessmen and women. So today, as mentioned, we're going to be highlighting Harry Herbert Pace. And Harry Pace, born January 6, 1884, he was born in Covington, Georgia. And uh, his father died when he was young, so he was raised um, by his mother, Nancy Pace. He finished elementary school at the age of 12, and seven years later, he graduated valedictorian of his class in Atlanta University. And the reason why this is such an amazing thing is because during this time, I mean, he was born in 1884, 
So during this time, a lot of our people had to um, leave school early and they had to go and work so that they can help to support their families. But yet, Harry Pace was able to go and get a good education and, and graduate top of his class at Atlanta University. So that's something that's, that definitely has to be noted. He began working in printing after um, graduating. And uh, he worked in printing, banking, and insurance industries in Atlanta, Georgia, and in Memphis, Tennessee. Now, after he received another degree in 1903, he went into the printing business with W.E.B. Dubois in Memphis. And they started, um, they put together a, a magazine called The Moon Illustrated Weekly. And it was a short-lived magazine, but the fact that they were able to do this started um, Harry's um, early uh, business endeavors. Now, in 1912, he met and uh, collaborated with a man by the name of W.C. Handy. And W.C. Handy uh, was a composer and a musician, and he called himself the father of the blues. Now, um, he was one of the most influential songwriters of his time, and he took blues music and made it more popular for the masses. Initially, blues was known as Delta Blues because it was a regional thing. But uh, W.C. Handy, known as William Christopher Handy, took it and made it uh, more popular to the masses in the early 20th century. So him and Harry Pace uh, met and they took a liking to each other and they started to write songs together. Now, uh, while while there in Memphis, Harry also met and married his wife and um, uh, started his family then. And him and, uh, and, and W.C. Handy founded the Pace and Handy Music Company, and that brought them to New York City. Around 1920, they began um, working with uh, well-known composers such as uh, William Grant Still, who was uh, who composed over 150 works, including five symphonies and eight operas, um, as well as uh, Fletcher Henderson, um, who is uh, one of the most uh, prolific and influential black musical arrangers. Um, along with Duke Ellington. They were known as the most influential uh, music arrangers and composers of their time. And so when um, um, Harry Pace and, and W.C. Handy started their publishing company, they um, you know, hired these men immediately to help you know, build, their, build their, their sound and to you know, put, put work out there and directly uh, market it to the people. And the company did well. The company did very well. But uh, Harry Pace uh, didn't like the way W.C. Handy uh, did his business, so he resigned and the company was uh, dissolved. Now, in 1921, Harry Pace formed the Pace Phonographic Corporation, and they uh, distributed, um, they issued records on the Black Swan label. Now, he officially renamed the, uh, his company Black Swan in 1922. And uh, he, re- he named it after the, uh, the 19th century opera star, Elizabeth Greenfield, who was a uh, African-American singer. And she was um, considered the best known black concert artist of her time. And she was also known as the Black Swan. So uh, he named uh, Pace Phonographic Corporation. He renamed it Black Swan Phonographic Company in 1922 as a homage to her. Now, some of his early investors were Burt Williams, who was a well-known vaudeville actor, the, one of the, the best-known um, um, vaudeville, vaudeville actors of his time in the 1920s, and um, 
another investor was W.E.B. Dubai, one of his former business partners. Uh, he uh, was on the board of directors of, of Black Swan and um, ads for Black Swan was promoted in The Crisis, which is a black owned newspaper. And it was the newspaper of the NAACP, which uh, W.E.B. Dubois edited. Now, some of the previous men that uh, worked with um, Harry Pace and W.C. Handy at, at the uh, Pace and Handy um, Phonographic Corporation um, worked with Harry Pace at Black Swan, such as the two men we mentioned before, Fletcher Henderson and William Grant Still. They were named the arranger and musical directors at Black Swan and, and continued to help form the sound of Black Swan Records. And Black Swan, uh, pretty much any of the who's who of black musicians at that time uh, worked, you know, with Black Swan, you know, and whether it was composing music, arranging music, they all at some point, you know, worked with Black Swan, you know, like the, the Louis Armstrongs and Buster Bailey, you know, many well-known blues musicians worked, uh, you know, with Black Swan or through Black Swan at some point in time. And Black Swan proved successful. You know, it recorded, um, um, you know, you know, African-American musicians primarily. Um, the label continued to grow in, um, in uh, popularity. And, you know, they even used some some white musicians to back some of their singers, you know, uh, even though it was a primarily African-American you know, record label. Now, as the label grew in popularity, Harry Pace believed that some of the competing white-owned labels, such as Columbia Records, wanted to obstruct the progress and curtail the popularity of Black Swan Records. Because you can imagine, you know, a Black-owned label becoming more popular than some of the mainstays of the time. You can imagine how scary that was for them, especially since they uh, took a a, uh, a market that, was, that wasn't being uh, um, uh, marketed to. You know, he marketed to his own people, you know, and so he found success by marketing to his own people. So no doubt that was a threat to the Columbia Records and, and other labels at that time. Uh, but despite its success, the company um, declared bankruptcy in December of 1923 and was bought by Paramount Records in March 1924. And, um, you know, as, as we just talked about, one of the important accomplishments of Black Swan, even though it was only around for a short period of time, it showed to the other major all-white, the, the white-owned companies that um, there's a, a significant market demand for black artists and not just for black artists but for the black audience that want to hear these black artists so it's because of Black Swan that many of these major companies began to publish music by black artists and promote to the black audience and Black Swan is credited with showing the majors how to target black audience audiences and how to advertise in black newspapers the Black Swan label was shut down and in, in shortly after Paramount shut down the Black Swan label sometime in the 60s, but it was revived in the 90s in which historic jazz and blues recordings were reissued um, to you know new generations. But um, by him starting this label, it made him the first uh, Black American to start his own a label. Um, you know before any of the main ones that we know today, which is a huge accomplishment. Now, despite, you know, uh, having to uh, file for bankruptcy for Black Swan Records, that didn't stop uh, Harry Pace from being successful. You know, he, he, he didn't allow that to, you know, uh, 
you know, you know, make him make him sad or make him say, oh, forget it. You know, I, 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 I just can't do it. No, he founded the Northeastern Life Insurance Company in Newark, New Jersey in 1925, the year after Paramount brought Black Swan Records. And it became the largest uh, uh, African-American owned business in the North during the 1930s, during the Depression. During the Depression, he was still able to find success with his insurance company. He then moved to Chicago to attend um, the Chicago Kent College of Law, and he received his degree in 1933 and opened up a law firm in downtown Chicago in 1942. Unfortunately, he died on July 19, 1943 in Chicago, and he's buried in Woodlawn Cemetery in the Bronx, New York. But just the fact, I mean, he's an example to all of us. You know, we all have setbacks in life and we all have to deal with, you know, certain things in life, you know, systematic things in life. But, you know, this brother here didn't allow that to, to stop him. He didn't allow that to, you know, um, curtail his success. He still continued to push forward. He uh, opened up an insurance company. He even opened up a law firm. So he's a good example to all of us here. And his his uh, his success is a good example to to all of us here. How he continued to 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 plow on despite any obstacles in his way. So Harry Pace, we thank you for your contribution in Black history and Black culture, and we salute you. Now that concludes this episode of Everyday Black History. Uh, please, I thank you all for the continued support and you know supporting me on the socials and everything and on the podcast. And as mentioned, our you know next few episodes will be highlighting business, um, you know African Americans and not just African Americans, but you know the whole African diaspora in business. Um, so stay tuned for future episodes, and I'll see you soon.